I typically do not care if you are a straight A student. Hmm. Most people that I know who are who are thinking and processing are not straight A students. Hmm. Um because they've had to work harder to get those B's or they're not um, excited about formal education, different ways. You never want to um, be inauthentic to yourself. Have you ever done the identity exercise where you write down all your identities and then sure, someone yeah. says, like, take one away and you have to choose what is the one thing that would end up staying there? Mm-hmm. Um, and mine would probably be around my racial or um, cultural identity. If I can get more kids to figure out how to make the world a better place, mm. I win. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Chan Jia, and today I'm so lucky to be joined with Director of International Admission and also Co-Advisor of Asian American Student Association, Meta Dale. Welcome to the studio. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Of course. So first question for you, what do you do as the Director of International Student Admission? So baseline, my job is um, to recruit students who are considered international by visa status okay. and those who are U.S. citizens who live abroad mm-hmm. to come to boarding school and okay. specifically to come to NMH. Okay. And with your job, what do you sort of look at on a daily basis? I don't really look at anything. <laughs> I talk to a lot of people. Yeah. Like my job literally <laughs> is to talk to people about all the great things that boarding school can offer. Uh-huh. Like we ha- we have this belief in our admissions office that um, in order to fall in love with NMH, you have to first fall in love with the idea of boarding school. Yeah. Right. Um, and so many people are still caught in the. It's not about opportunity. It's about sending my kid away. <laughs> right. And yeah. no parent necessarily wants to send their kid away. Mm-hmm. But when you get them to understand that. You're providing them opportunity. You're providing them access to places that Mm -hmm. they don't have at home, whether it be, you know, if I say, okay, home in Hong Kong, how are you going to play lacrosse? Yeah. It's about access. You just don't have a lot of programs there, period. Mm -hmm. Um, Then they start buying into the idea of boarding school. Mm -hmm. Then my job is to, after that, is to... to get them to understand why NMH might be a great match for their kid. Mm, interesting. So in your opinion, what do you think boarding school really separates from other schools? Because say a person wants to attend a public, move to U.S. and attend mm-hmm. a public high school, there's still lacrosse or there's still like sports. What, 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 are, uh, what, what really separates a boarding school then? So it all depends too, mm. right? In the sense that, if I'm an American football player, mm-hmm. I'm not going to American boarding school, mm. right? There's not a lot of high-end football to get you to college. And whatever high school is, whether you're in public school or whether you're in boarding school, mm-hmm. your typically your purpose is to propel you to a higher-level institution for college mm-hmm. to get a good job later on. Mm. If my path is to go through American football, not coming really to American boarding schools. You don't hear a lot of 
recruitments into NFL or recruitments yeah. into college for American football. Yeah. I might be going to a public school in Texas, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, or down south mm-hmm. or even golf in California, right? Yeah. Um, but for us, it's about teaching not only or not even giving kids access. It's getting back down to um, soft skills, critical mm-hmm. thinking skills. I mm-hmm. think uh, public schools don't teach soft skills well, and mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of colleges look to us for, is teaching mm-hmm. those soft skills. And what do you mean by soft skills? Mm-hmm. So um, doing this, communicating, mm-hmm. being able to have small talk is a soft skill. Mm-hmm. Um if I don't know, for instance, if I don't know how to small talk mm-hmm. or carry conversation, I'm not even going to get past the interview or make any True. headway in a yeah. business meeting. Yeah, of course. Right? So Asia is a perfect example of how much, or even old school politics or business, a lot of um, the business is not done on paper. Mm-hmm. It's over a glass of wine. It's at dinner. It's yeah. at backyard parties it's through conversation but if yeah. you don't have those soft skills to build those relationships mm-hmm. you're not going to get very far interesting right so colleges have done ha, um more and more colleges i can't remember where i read this article from i wish i had it but i did um a presentation like that so many more colleges are looking at high schools specifically boarding schools to um, elevate those soft skills mm-hmm. and COVID killed that <laughs> killed it so you have you know two and a half years of kids who um who were online yeah who have no idea how to introduce themselves to to, to make new friends that's horrible yeah they didn't have to Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and I totally agree with you. I feel like the the immersive experience really forces you to get outside your comfort zone. And um, do you say that the where do you think these this teaching of these soft skills really come from? Does it come from experience, learning from doing, or do you think that it's just uh, there's like teachers that actually like teaches this? But I don't really think there's actually. So um, I think, think it's both. Comes from? Mm-hmm. I think it's something like a soft skill for me would also be like um, time management. Sure. Most people would say that's like a hard skill, but I'm not talking about like blocking out time for homework. I'm thinking about, okay, Chin, you got to find time to make sure you get your laundry in, mm-hmm. right? And then you got to make sure you get to practice. Oh, you got this paper to do. Oh, but you want to check in with this kid because it's their birthday mm-hmm. and you want to. Wish them happy birthday. Oh, you got to go over here because you promised somebody that you would go over this article with them. The The weaving in of time is yeah. definitely a hard skill, but getting your laundry done and managing that might be a soft skill, right? Yeah. I think that is modeled for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see it through when you were younger, your RLs or other adults around you mm-hmm. um it's modeled uh when you just are walking around with other kids or you hear it at hogapella where someone's like oh god all right what time is practice over okay because i gotta go run and do this mm-hmm. right just talking through schedules mm-hmm. um the part that's modeled i think is 
how we as adults talk to you. Mm. Um, we don't, I don't, I hope this is true. Mm-hmm. I feel like at MH we're, we do a really good job talking with students mm-hmm. and not talking at them. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I I feel that a lot. Um, talking with students versus talking as mm-hmm. as in most in the interaction here actually it's it's a surprise for me when I first mm. came to school how easy it is for for students and teachers to connect and we directly refer you by first names and we treat you like like just like another person mm-hmm. and, and that never really happens with when I was back in China mm-hmm. when you know we would call teachers by misters or misses and there's always like that level of superiority mm-hmm. but here there's there's a level of like closeness yep and, and connection and and i think that that's really that that makes boarding school unique and i sort of want to come back to your job as the mm-hmm. director of international mission so why do you think it's important to have um international students yeah um for me, it's personal because I was an international student when I came here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the very first uh, class at NMH had international students. Mm-hmm. Um, so D.L. Moody already had this vision of... Um, D.L. Moody's our founder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he already had this vision of the only way to expand and make the world a better place mm-hmm. was to include international students in that. Mm-hmm. Right. So our first international student was from London, um, but our first Asian student came to us from Japan mm-hmm. in the 1800s. That's wow. crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there was already an understanding there that the only way to kind of uh, move mm-hmm. was um, to expand globally and have people bought into this mission the same passion mm-hmm. of um of education mm-hmm. that's so that's why i do my work that's mm-hmm. why nmh because there's a lot of schools that have international kids but they yeah. don't have the same kind of commitment that we do mm-hmm. right it takes a lot of time a lot of money a lot of um resources Mm -hmm. to get international students here yeah definitely and our school has a large portion of financial Mm -hmm. aid giving out and just in the community in in general why would you say that having like a diverse community of Mm -hmm. because our school does really good job of having students from 60 Mm -hmm. countries why do you think that is important to have Um, this level of demographic yeah i just think it's about uh bringing ideas together. It's, again, about expanding, um, making the world better. I teach you how to be a better thinker. I teach you how to be a better communicator. You bring that to your corner of a city, a world, uh, you know, a country, um, and you use it to teach other kids. Part of the way that we talk to students here, I think, in any space, whether it be in the dining hall or in the dorm, is Mm -hmm all education whether we're talking about something that's interesting to you Mm -hmm. um if i'm saying hey chanan how are you i'm actually interested in knowing how you are Mm -hmm. you will learn then how to turn around and ask somebody and be interested in them versus 
many times where it's very American, be like, hey, how are you? And then you jet, you know, and you just leave. Um, so hopefully our way of teaching um, and learning and exploring and being problem solvers and making the world a better place and talking about humanity and purpose, all the kids who leave here, bring them to their corners of the world. And you mentioned a really interesting point that the teaching, and I think that sort of goes with our school mission, that the teaching doesn't really come in the classroom, Mm -mm. but comes with the presence and comes with like the day-to-day things like workshop, Mm -hmm. like sports, Mm -hmm. like dining hall, like Mm -hmm. small talk, for example. And, and why do you, why do you think that is where learning actually comes why do I think it comes that way, or why do I think it's important? Both. Um, it's important because um, part of, I think part of education is to make every experience a learning experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that education doesn't have to come formally. Mm. And that is also, that's about class for me, mm-hmm. Right. Typically in the past, it's those who can sit down in formal educational spaces are those with money in class, Mm -hmm. right? And there was always perceived that if you cannot afford that those boxes of formal education, then you were not good enough or could not afford to learn. Mm -hmm. That is anti the mission of NMH in the sense that D.L. Moody started NMH because... uh, the first students could not afford to come to mm-hmm. NMH. Yeah. Um, so that's why now for me it's transformed in all the in-between spaces of classes mm-hmm. that you guys should be learning as well. Mm. And that that this could be a sort of similar question on, uh, that comes with it. How do you how do we ensure that people are learning? In fact, like learning in the in these type of of situations. Or is that like a more of a Brian question? <laughs> no, I think I think it's I get the I get a gazillion emails or Facebook messages or text messages yeah. from people mm-hmm. who will come back to me and say, Oh my god, Meta, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't know what I was learning at NMH and how it would impact me now. Mm-hmm. Or Thank you for reminding me who I was mm-hmm. identity-wise as an Asian woman or as a student because now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So however they're internalizing that understanding now, it might not come out until much later, but we do hear about it. Every single teacher on campus here mm. has gotten an email mm-hmm. from a kid that says, oh, my God, I remember what. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah, and and you mentioned this point about identity, and obviously you're the co-advisor for um, Asian American Student Association, and today we had this Mm -hmm. Asian American Student um, Seminar, so to say, and... um, and we you, and we mentioned how diversity is important of mm-hmm. how these different identities. So, what do you think um, as an individual? How can one maintain their like identity in this sort of you know, diverse environment, or also like in this in this like pressure environment to not to to maintain their identity? 
in in this environment. Let me ask you a question first. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you've ever been asked to shed your identity here? No, I don't think so. Mm. Which is so amazing to me because mm-hmm. my generation and the generations before us that was like almost an understood thing that you had to do in order to navigate America. Yeah. Right. And don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of people who feel like they have to shed that yeah, yeah, component yeah, of, of identity. Course. But I think we do things like try our hardest to hire people who look like you. To mm. say, oh, there is somebody who can relate to me. There is somebody who knows how to cook rice. There is somebody <laughs> who uh, I can speak my native language to. We don't always get it right, but I think we are intentional about making sure we're working really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that's one way where kids then don't feel like they have to shed their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think technology makes things a lot easier mm-hmm. because you can still call home um, and talk to your parents in a native language or you can talk to other students um, in the admissions office me especially I have a really hard time with there being a, an only mm-hmm. when I am always trying to find kids from other countries but I always have to double check to see if it's okay if that kid will be the only kid from that one country because it's really lonely. Yeah. Right? Um, the, so so we try to, to make sure that kids feel comfortable versus feel there are schools who say, if you are the only, you should be honored to be here. I don't believe that. Yeah, no, that's totally true. And, um, I mean, I came from China, so mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm pretty fortunate i would say mm-hmm. that i i immediately there there was there is a group but for first year definitely i i definitely felt that because covid happened and a lot of students couldn't yeah make it to campus and um there weren't a lot of chinese students so mm-hmm. even those circumstances even though there was like a few chinese students but already i felt like very disconnected mm-hmm. at, at the start especially yeah and it's definitely hard because um, community is so important. Yeah. And I think, and 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 I love I love how you say it, how how like you emphasize to that th- these people don't feel left out. And what do you think are ways that our school actually does this, incorporate this? Um, I think it's ways in where. <laughs> You know, food is so important to so many of us. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and I think we think about what we serve in the dining hall, mm-hmm. right? I think it's little things that people don't notice. We always have chopsticks. Mm-hmm. We always have kimchi, mm-hmm. right? So we're we're high tuned to East Asian stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're as high tuned to other countries we do things for like ramadan where where people can um take to go boxes yeah right um so i think we do a lot of things that other schools don't really think about with food mm-hmm. um but I, I i still have the fear every day that 
um, there are kids at schools who don't feel comfortable speaking in their native language amongst mm-hmm. their friends, mm-hmm. right? Um, True, yeah. And I know it's because whoever says something to them has never been in a position where they are exhausted from thinking in another language all day. <sighs> it is exhausting. Yeah. Right, and navigating that culture and being 15, <laughs> it's rough. It is a challenge. Right, definitely. and so I think we try to be a little more sensitive to that where there's definitely schools where they're like, all the Asians sit over there. Mm-hmm. I think a little differently because I know that Asian table has nine different countries represented. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but it's very American to say all the Asian kids sitting together. Yeah. Versus saying, oh, look at the Chinese kids with the Japanese kids who are with the Vietnamese kids who are with the Thai kids. and Yeah. Right? Um, but we don't necessarily say that with our Latino population or mm-hmm. other populations. It's something very, very Asian-centered and East Asian-centered, so, like, not South Asian. What is... Like the grouping, or yeah, our our uh, America's need to point out who sits together, kind of thing. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I I do feel that there's a, there's definitely well, for one, I feel like East Asian population is massive, and mm-hmm. in, 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 in when concerning international students, mm-hmm. like China has probably has a. The like country alone probably has the most international students, right? I'm trying to think. Yes, like, relative to other international countries, definitely. Yes, and then so like it's definitely natural for um, that to occur, but you still would see. But that that's would that wouldn't be all the case all the time. Mm-hmm. You still would see people pushing themselves out of comfort zone. But yeah, do you think grouping is a good thing or no? I think it's both. Mm. I think it's both. I think it's way um, that people find connection. You know, we talked about affinity group. Yeah. You know, today, and part of it is where you find connection, you will find similarities, um, and you get your brain to relax for two minutes, right? Or however long you're with that person. (laughs) So, you know, again, I get really excited when I hear kids speak all the different languages Hmm. in the dining hall, because A, I know that they're still connecting with people who are, who have similar experiences, who understand them, who Mm -hmm. affirm them. Um, And at the same time, they get to relax their brain for two minutes. Mm -hmm. I get to candy crush. Like that's my brain relaxed. Like (laughs) other people get to not have to speak English. (laughs) You know, that's true. So, yeah, and that's actually interesting. I I've not thought of speaking your native language as a brain relax. Like mm-hmm. I've 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 always I always do it naturally, but mm-hmm. then I've not not thought about it in that perspective. And now that I think about it, it's actually so true. When you see someone that's from similar background, and you can direct, it's just it's it's with ease mm-hmm. that you just connect. Like it's so natural, it just flows. If you watch people, like, connect with someone, like, for me, um, Chulin and Cecil are both from the Philippines. 
Um, and I could, I'm, I'm very comfortable talking to people, very comfortable naturally being around them. But as soon as I see them, you will see my whole body just relax differently. Mm. Like my shoulders will drop because I can talk about something familiar that only they might understand that is something so significantly important to me culturally. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, what, what would you guys talk about? I'm actually curious. Talk about food. We talk about um, family, mm-hmm. right? We send uh, something very natural in Filipino families is we send money home, but we also send these giant boxes that are called <laughs> balik buying boxes mm-hmm. that is filled from everything to canned goods to clothes mm-hmm. to chocolate, name it. And it's like, ugh, it's almost Christmas time. Do you have your Balik Bayan box out to send <laughs> home? We talk about things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about our families. Our family, where you know, um, there, we don't have a lot of family around yeah. with us. Yeah. Um, our main family is still home. So checking in to see how our families are back home. The same mm. way that your families are here, right? Definitely, yeah. So I have definitely much more family than they do around, so. Mm-hmm. And one question that uh, that I might have for you, um, because you, you get so deeply involved with, with the work, with the school mm-hmm. and everything, would you feel that sometimes you might get lost and like your identity might get lost sometimes or never that you would always, mm. because for example, when you're in this culture and in the, in, in the American you know, society and you're like immersed in this place, you know, you, you don't think of Philippine being like, you don't like remind yourself that every single day. Right. Or do yeah, you? I do. You do. I very much do. Mm. Um, but I am in a place that I'm able to do that. And I've come to know myself as that. Mm-hmm. Right? I always, I grew up being very aware of being Filipino. Mm-hmm. Like I talked today about, like, not having, like, hmm. you know, um, bodies like my mom or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, th- I think for me, getting to travel, I travel Asia. I have other people in my office who travel the other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to different countries in Asia every year, mm-hmm. and most of them I've lived in. So mm-hmm. I lived in Hong Kong, I lived in Thailand, I lived in Singapore, mm-hmm. I lived in the Philippines. So I have connections in all those places, and that's super grounding to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is a nice reminder, but because I also have family mm-hmm. in the area that I can um, eat, speak, connect with, uh, that's a reminder, and we carry it in our house. Um, you know, so uh, it, no one else in my immediate family, meaning my my spouse or my kids, speak Filipino. Mm-hmm. But we eat Filipino food in our house. Mm-hmm. We have, um, you know, there's always fish frying or Filipino food coming out or something. Yeah. in our house that is yeah. very filipino yeah and what do you think is the importance of maintaining this identity it's how you navigate the world right you never want to um, be inauthentic to yourself mm-hmm. right it's like how do i 
Have you ever done the identity exercise where you write down all your identities and then sure, someone yeah. says, like, take one away and you have to choose, right? So you might write, uh, and I don't know if you identify this way, so I'm, just, I'm mm -hmm. thin slicing here, but you might write cis, male, Chinese, yeah. high school student, whatever. And like, like soccer some, player. Yeah, and someone will blah, say, blah, blah. take that away. Yeah. Take what away is not important to you. What is the one thing that would end up staying there? Mm -hmm. um, and mine would probably be around my racial or um, cultural identity. Mm, that's true. Yeah. And by having that, do you think, so do you think you are who you are because you're just, because of your culture and because of, or do you think? No, I think NMH had a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know, I, you come at 14 to 18, and when I came to NMH, I was 15. So I came sophomore, junior, senior year. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the first time I was living away from home, just like most kids. Um, but it was the first time I was being seen as Asian because I was always seen as part of the white crowd <laughs> when I grew up in Hong Kong. Mm. Um, the, the access I had to spaces were all the white spaces. Mm -hmm. were not the Filipino spaces because the Filipino spaces in Hong Kong were mostly hired help spaces, like everyone's helper mm. was Filipino. I wasn't <laughs> doing that. My dad was yeah. CEO of a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> I was, you know, going to to HKS. I, I had access in ways that a lot of Filipinos didn't. Okay. Um, but then when I came here, I was one of the Asian kids, but I mm. didn't fit the East Asian stereotype. Mm-hmm. So I had to, to really surround myself with people who um, allowed me to explain me. Mm -hmm. And my sister was already at boarding school. My sister was at Choate. Mm -hmm. She loved it. She loved Choate. <laughs> and uh, when I went there, I knew it was not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have everyone. I remember having the conversation where someone's like, you're from Hong Kong, but you don't speak Japanese. I don't speak Japanese, like just not globally informed. Mm -hmm. And NMH was the one place where if I explained myself, I didn't, I didn't need to explain myself. I explained myself because I wanted to explain who I was, but I didn't have to in order to be accepted. And that was new to me. It was like, all right, do you want to go play basketball? Do you want to go play volleyball? Do you want to go hang out and <laughs> have some pool? Like, there was just acceptance of who I was here at NMH, um, which I don't think if I had been in another place that didn't accept all that of me, mm -hmm. I would have had a hard time being Filipino in those spaces. Mm, that's true. So. And you mentioned a point about sort of like, fitting in the label like fitting in the east asian label or fitting like what ba back back home when you couldn't fit into like the hong kong label mm -hmm. and you know, you're sort of like part of the outside label do you think that these labels and stereotypes would always be a challenge because um because you know what i'm saying because like you you are in a very special case that it's it's like sometimes you don't really fit to all these labels, but 
you can still connect with them in some sense? Yeah, it's really It's a weird question. Yeah, and I hear you. There's a kid here um, now who is multiracial. Mm-hmm. And at home, he is also part of <clears throat> the white spaces because he's multiracial. Mm-hmm. And here, upon coming here, he is considered one of the Asian kids. And he's shared with me that's part of his kind of understanding information of his journey about uh, what his Asian-ness means and how to navigate America that way. Mm-hmm. Because he never thought of having that he had to do that. Um, so I think I think everyone figures out how to navigate it, right? I think it, we become very good code switchers when we're here. Code switchers? Mm-hmm. Do you know that term? Mm, what do you mean? Code switching means how you are at home mm-hmm. in China with your parents. Mm-hmm. You are one way with them. And then when you come here to NMH, mm-hmm. you're, you know that you have to shift mentally, physically, emotionally, shift your code switching. Um, kids of color do it all the time, right? How they are in boarding school is not how they are maybe in their home cities. Oh, right? yeah. So it, that's code switching. Mm-hmm. You, um, you don't talk to necessarily your parents about, I don't know, um, was talking about today um oh prithia was talking about her sister sharing about the club mm. right she does that at home because she's comfortable to do that but she knows if she's at her grandmother she's not talking like that mm-hmm. with your grandmother so it's it's learning how to adapt who you are in different spaces so you know that you can navigate that space and that's actually such a great point that we we actually have i feel like we have a lot of identities within us mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily that that race couldn't like just generalize. I mean, race is a big mm-hmm. part of our identity, and I I mean I'm Chinese, and I always know that I'm my who I am and how I act is always like part of Chinese is always part of me. But I also know that I'm Channon, and I'm not. I'm like like I'm not just a Chinese, you know. Like I I'm I'm. There's a stereotype of the Chinese, but that's like that's separate from who I truly am. You haven't been asked when you've gone home, or someone hasn't said to you yet, mm. <coughs> "Oh, you're so American now." Yes and no, because like back home, I can still flip back to the Chinese mm-hmm. mode. But then, but then I feel like I'm always the same person in some sense. That yes, the culture can influence me. That the this and that and that's that's always a challenge that's why i asked you to (coughs) sorry it's all good um that the culture can definitely influence me but then the then that's a struggle at times because you have to sort of maintain that your 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 original identity throughout but then also you're being influenced (coughs) yeah by your current environment Mm mm-hmm and your identity is sort of like just this constant evolving thing. I don't know if you're, <laughs> yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's, and and that comes to a point where I, where I used to just question out who who am I then, like, am I? And then and then I I could I couldn't come up with an answer, so I just say I'm just chanting. I'm just just myself. And you that can be all of it. I can be all of it. That's 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 sort of like the conclusion that I realized that. <coughs> 
yes, Chinese is is my identity, and、mm-hmm. this is me. But then also, I can. I don't need to restrain myself to just say, "Oh, I I'm Chinese and I have to behave," like I would think a Chinese would behave.、Mm-hmm. It's just I, I can just behave how I want to behave. But then, Chinese is just part of my identity.、Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah. And that that's interesting. As that that's what I figured out while talking to you. Anyways,、um, coming back. See, there's your learning moment. That is a learning moment, <laughs> actually. There you go. Just. Talk while talking through it,、mm-hmm. you, you sort of figure it out. But then, coming back to your job, though, why did you decide to take this job in the first place? <coughs> As I cough away. <laughs>、um, so when I was a student here,、um, I was fortunate that my dad had a job that afforded me、um, a space here,、mm-hmm. and I knew. Even though my dad aff- could afford it, I knew that not a lot of my other family members would ever have that opportunity,、mm-hmm. right? Because they didn't have jobs like my dad did or whatever.、Um, when I left NMH and went to college, I was very aware of how NMH taught me to understand opportunity. But understood me how understood how、um, ta- NMH taught me how to <coughs> sorry understand access、mm-hmm. and the access I had and in college I saw that kids took it for granted took took what for granted took their ability to go to college to have access to higher level education、um, they took advantage of all that. And、um, international students that I met then in college never understood their commitment or their need to give back to somebody or、mm-hmm. to spread the spread the wealth, so to speak, in quotes.、Um, and so when this job came open up, I was like, <coughs> I would love to pick. I would love to work with internationals. Sorry, let me rewind. When I left college, I was working at a school in New York City, running a school in the South Bronx, because I really wanted to commit to working with kids that I could then provide access for.、Mm-hmm. That was really important to me. And about three years in,、mm-hmm. I was like, I'm doing this all wrong.、Mm-hmm. For every 900 kids that I work with.、Mm-hmm. Maybe five or six will get out of their city,、mm-hmm. get out of the poverty cycle that they're in,、mm-hmm. um, and get to college and be able to make change in their communities.、Mm-hmm. Right? It was going to be a very small portion, just because of life,、mm-hmm. right? And everything in life that is the cycle of oppression, right? Plain and simple.、Um, But I knew that there were my, the international students. They were all in a place that their families had created access for them.、Mm-hmm. But now, how did I get them to start thinking about giving back to communities and changing communities?、Mm-hmm. How do I make international students be change agents、mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have the patience to do that in the classroom. I was a terrible teacher. <laughs> terrible. But I said, if I can figure out a way to pick them mm-hmm. so then other people could teach them how to be change agents, but I could pick the kids who were thinking about that, mm-hmm. then I thought I would be ahead of the game. <laughs> so that's why I came back. So I'm always thinking about when I'm interviewing kids, what is this kid going to do to not only impact this community, but how are they going to change and uh, change and impact their next community? Hmm. Change agent. That's interesting. And how do you tell if someone has that ability? Like, because mm. in the interview, is it's so short, so short and so fast. Yes. So I rely, I think we in the admissions office rely on a lot of different pieces. I think you and I talked about this. I typically do not care if you are a straight A student. Hmm. Most people that I know who are, who are thinking and processing are not straight A students. Hmm. Um, because they've had to work harder to get those B's or they're not um, excited about formal education. Different ways, right? Um, so I look at what are they doing now that are not one-offs. Like we have so many kids who be like, oh, I ran a charity, mm-hmm. right? Or I started a charity. Do you know what the difference between a charity and um, service learning is? Uh, what's the difference? What? Charity is essentially your collecting money to give away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You're not doing the work. Mm-hmm. I want people who are doing the work. Mm. Right? So if you are going to someplace to work in an orphanage, right, you might be making something, like you might be knitting sweaters to sell at a bazaar to get mm. the money to go out and buy the supplies before the orphanage mm. in order to bring with you to donate. Mm-hmm. Because if you're only giving money to that orphanage, mm-hmm. now it's someone else's job mm-hmm. with all their other jobs mm-hmm. to figure out how to get to the store, how mm-hmm. to buy the supplies, how mm-hmm. to bring back the supplies. Can they afford the gas? Can mm-hmm. they afford the time to mm-hmm. do all those different things? But it was great. You gave money, right? Mm. It's about thinking about all those different things. Is yeah. the service learning component of it? So I, it's about understanding, seeing the commitment from the kids in their, mm. in their stuff. It's about understanding the term humanity and purpose. Mm-hmm. Like and, and, and would you say that's challenging for, say, a, an eighth grader to already be doing all, all, all of this? Mm. Eighth graders are easy for me to hear it from. Eleventh mm. graders are hard. Because mm. eighth graders are like, yeah, I, I still, they still know what kindness is naturally. Eleventh graders are like, what can I say that's impressive? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's so annoying. Um, eighth graders are much more natural. They either know it or don't. Yeah. Eleventh graders are just trying to impress you. <laughs> <coughs> So yeah, that's what I think about. <laughs> that's interesting. And how can you tell if someone's lying or if someone's trying to say something that? How do you how do you tell? I mean, I, I think we've 
it's hard to put in words, but body language. You kn- everybody knows when they're being like, you know, when they're when somebody's not being really honest. You do it when you're a tour guide. You come back and you're like, oh my god, that kid was so amazing because it's natural, right? It's not glorified or it's not so made up. You know, there are so many times where I've gotten into an interview and a tour guide has come back to me and say, Meta, they didn't talk, right? But when they come to me, they can talk. And for me, it's like, okay, you're with your peers more. If you can't talk to your peers, you're not going to do well in this community, mm-hmm. right? Because I hope that you're talking to your peers more than you're talking to your teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um so we just look for words or engagement, excitement. Mm-hmm. Like, but you have to buy in here on the humanity and purpose that mm-hmm. we talk about. That it is not about you. Mm. It is not about if you typically um, are just thinking about yourself at this community, you don't last here. Mm. You have to think about something bigger. Mm-hmm. Think about the community. Think about something, something else. Interesting. Mm-hmm interesting and it's it's been an interesting conversation to and i think we can shift back into because we've been sort of jumping back Mm -hmm. and forth between different topics and i think we can come back to this point about international and and why do you sort of decide to 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 focus on international yeah if i can get more kids to figure out how to make the world a better place, Mm. I win. That Mm. is winning, Mm. right? Our world is chaos right now. Mm -hmm. And if we can get more kids thinking the NMH way, yeah, (laughs) right? Sure. Um, How awesome would that be, right? If every kid who is leaving here is thinking about, I'm going to do something to make this world a better place, and I'm going to do everything that I have learned to do intentionally to mm-hmm. help other people or strengthen a community. And they're going to 60 different countries to do that. Mm. That's pretty dope. Mm. Right? That's what I'm always thinking about. And it mm. doesn't take a straight A student to do that. Mm. It takes the kids with the most tenacity, mm-hmm. with um, the best conversationalists. Mm. Right, it's that business thing that we're talking about <laughs> navigating. Yeah. Um, it's those who have shown the ability to overcome hardship. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and and it's the it's the small soft skills. Mm-hmm. That's the word soft skills. Yeah. That is important, and that doesn't come in. And that's that's that you do you think that's what makes NMH special? I think um, the kids are ready to make moves. Mm-hmm. I think our kids are sensitive in really positive ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to bring students to a, a a national conference every year. Yeah, and we would get grouped with other Massachusetts schools, um, and students would come up and lead workshops. Mm-hmm. Their kids were never the first to jump up. There was another school who would always jump up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would start leading, like, the meeting mm-hmm. and start doing stuff. And mm-hmm. our kids would just sit there and go, 
after the, that group had finished, they would get up and be like, okay, so now here's actually what the process is going to be and literally have to interpret mm-hmm. and translate what those kids said mm-hmm. to be um, understood by everybody else because the first group was going so fast, so hard, so quick mm-hmm. that it was incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Versus our kids were always sensitive enough to say, how can I make this so everyone understands it and everyone can move forward together? Mm. And I think that's really unique about NMH, that they take their time with that. Mm. And that came from, um, and, and where do you think that came from? That's a soft skill. That that's, came from a, soft that's watching and learning, observing, that's... Um, knowing how to communicate, mm-hmm. right? That's thinking about other people and not just yourself. Mm. So, And that's, that's I think that, to spending three years here, I think, I wouldn't, I, like, consciously, I didn't notice the change, but mm-hmm. subconsciously, it has changed. And I've already noticed that I have changed. That in some sense, uh, now as a senior, I'm thinking about the community. I'm doing things. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about my purpose. I'm thinking about leaving this place better than I found it. I'm thinking about all these things, which I don't know if I would mm-hmm. would have earlier, which before it would have mostly been about me. Now it's m- mostly about others. And, and it's not necessarily, I think, um, that mm-hmm. you might, when you leave next year, you might not notice when something is right but you will pick up much quicker when something is wrong Mm. you'll be like uh that's not okay that you said that to that person Mm -hmm. uh that's not okay for you to talk to somebody that way that's not okay for that to be presented that way Mm -hmm. that's where i think it's going to come in interesting i mean that's this has been a wonderful conversation and uh I think it's perfect time to sort of shift into the final segment. Great. Which is three fire question at you. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so, and uh, are you ready? Yeah. First see. question, what do you think the bigger picture of life is? Oh, God, that's not a fire question. That's like a... <laughs> a deep question. It's a canon question. <laughs> God, that's like atomic bomb question. I haven't figured that one out. Hmm. I have not figured that one out. Still fi- still looking. I think it changes as mm. you get older. And that could be it. Right? So, like, I'm sure your, um, your parents might say, uh, to be happy, you have to make money and be healthy. Mm-hmm. Right? And your 90-year-old grandmother might say, it doesn't matter, just be happy. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea. And that could be that could be the bigger picture, which is that we're constantly changing. Oh yeah, definitely, and, definitely. And we yeah, and and it's like when you said about the code switching, and when mm-hmm. you said about that when we talked about identity, it's not like you're born with something and you're defined with it. You you you're constantly yep. evolving, being. Second question: What are some non-negotiable values that you have for your living? Mm. It's really important to me to have cotton out toilet paper. <laughs> um, non-negotiables. I think not having to compromise who I am with my identity. Yeah. 
um, culturally mm-hmm. um, is a big one. You know, I'm in um, a same-sex marriage with a stepdaughter and um, an adopted daughter who neither are Filipino or Asian. If, well, mm. my younger daughters are Hawaiian, right? Um, but who I am being Filipino, being Filipino-American, having Asian identity is really important to me, and they know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is a non-negotiable to me, having to... to let go of my Filipinoness mm-hmm. is probably one of my big ones. And being a mom, I'm really like I am such a mom. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I can definitely tell. <laughs> I'm a mom. You you care about so <laughs> many people in the community too, and it's just it's just natural. <laughs> I like people sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Last question: If there's one thing you can say to a younger version of yourself, what would it be? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter what people think about you. Mm-hmm. In an in instance, of course, it mattered to mm-hmm. to me when I was fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter if I got excellent grades. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, it is a privilege for me to be able to say that because of where I am now. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think if I had liked where I went to school or I hadn't been successful in ways that I see as successful, I would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I would say that I, I made some pretty good choices. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be okay. That's going to be okay, <laughs> and it's, it's going to be all taken care of. Again, I mean... Great conversation. Thank you for coming today. Absolutely. Did you have a good time here? Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. And uh, it's great to, because just by talking to you, just by sitting in front of you and talking about these things, I I began to realize things about myself that Mm -hmm. I may have or may haven't really thought deep about, and especially about identity, which is always like a big question. And I think that's one thing that our school really talks about, too. Is, is sort of like finding out who we are mm-hmm. and what is our place in the community and how we can impact the world in our way. I think one thing that I will always say for, for people in general mm-hmm. to when they're thinking about identity is what feeds your soul to be able to maintain or hold on to your identity. That's what mm. you need. Feed your soul as in? Feed your soul. So, um, for me, it might be access to food. Other people might be music and access to friends. Or, mm-hmm. um, like, part of my big Filipino identity is spending time with my family. I need that in order to survive, mm-hmm. right? So, what do you need to feed your identity in order to survive? I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And for listeners, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.